Hey everybody and welcome to episode 38 of the Red Card Report podcast. We've got a good show for you guys today. As most of you guys know, this week was match day three of this year's Champions League tournament and there were a number of good games that we're going to be reviewing here today. Just to name a few, we've got Tottenham with a big statement win over Red Star Belgrade. Inter Milan was able to edge out Borussia Dortmund 2-0 and Benfica was finally able to scoop up a win in this year's Champions League tournament. But before we jump into all that, as always, I got to send it on over to Rui and Joe. Fellas, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Dylan. How you doing, Rui? You doing all right, buddy? I had a very eventful day today. Yeah? Do you, you want to tell us a little bit more about it? or yeah. are you? Scared? I know what happened. I know what happened, but... Yeah, also, so... You got some PTSD from it? Yeah, my, okay? not PTSD, but it was a very long day at work. Well, I was lucky and unlucky at the same time because my... My truck broke down in the middle of the highway. Oh, no. Pulled a Milan, you know. (laughs) Broke down to pieces. (laughs) But um, having a rough day in general. Car breaks down. Forget the mics at home, so we're running a little late tonight. Yeah. It's just just I'm all over the place. Not your day today. But I was a little bit lucky because it all could have happened much earlier before I got all my work done. You know, so I was on the road doing a bunch of jobs and service calls and all that stuff. But luckily, five minutes after I finished my last job, I was on my way home. My car broke down. I was unlucky that it broke down, but I was lucky that it happened after I was done. Otherwise, I would have been absolutely screwed. But silver linings. I like it. Yes, it was an eventful day, long day, but I'm glad that we're going to be discussing the Champions League because it's exciting stuff. And that's what makes me happy. So. All right, boys, so let's get started here. Obviously, there were a number of different games going on this week, but and we can't touch on all of them. But we are going to, of course, hit on a few of them. And the first on the list that I want to talk about is Bayern Munich versus Olympiacos. Bayern walked away with the victory 3-2. to two. What do you think about this win, and how do you feel about them moving forward for the rest of the group stage and the rest of this Champions League tournament? Yeah, I think um, they've been on a roll this year in terms of like the Champions League, but they just seem to be missing something. Um, in this last performance, they just they were good. Their attack looked good, but their defense is really lacking. Over the weekend, they lost Niklas yeah. Sule. Uh, I think it was an ACL tear. He's going to be out for 10 months. Yeah, he's going to need surgery. I don't know if it's an ACL tear, but it's a really major injury that's going to put him out for the rest of the season. Uh, Lucas Hernandez picks up an injury uh, this week in the Champions League. Yep, They're really running short at center back. Even this past weekend in their league match, they coughed up a late winner uh, where they were ahead 2-1. to one. They ended up with a draw uh, this week in the Champions League, even though they won 3-2, to two, but they did cough up that last goal in the last minute. It's just something that... That is just not clicking with Bayern right now. I love their attack. Yeah, I think Lewandowski has bailed out this team a lot, and Mm -hmm. they've been clicking. And that was just one thing that was really hurting them last season was that inconsistent, um, the the inconsistent attack, where they had a lot of injuries. They still had Ribery and Robin, the older players players that weren't quite up there like Mm -hmm. they used to be. But now, now the the Achilles heel is in the back. The defense. It's either everyone is hurt. Or they still have Jerome Bo- uh, Boateng, who's really not as Off good as he pace. used to be. And he had yeah. to come in today. Significantly. He had to come in today. And I don't know what's going to happen now that they have their two-star center backs out. 
Pavard is now like the guy. He's the center back. With Jerome Boateng not really being the same guy that he once was, that great defender that he once was, Javi Martinez might be that option to drop back into center back, which he does great at. Yeah, I could see him definitely occupying that I mean, space. he's a big body. He's about like 6'4". He's huge. Yeah. He wins everything in the air. He's strong, a good tackler. But Bayern, as of late, they wanted to use him as that center defensive midfield, you know, how they've been using him over the years. So they had that idea of using him there in the middle of the field, screening the back four. But I think that's going to have to change. It's going to have to change. Unless if they want to risk having Jerome Boateng back there. It's going to have to change. Otherwise, they're just going to be relying on some more Lewandowski magic in the future to bail them out. That's probably just going to be the case unless they can really shore up that defense, like you said. It's just those that lapse in concentration and just that back line in general. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, Bayern are just pouring in goals. They're le- they're letting up quite a few, but they're just pouring they're in. Pouring in how more. good is... Lewandowski, dude, he's such a good goal scorer. Right now, one of the best strikers I've seen. I think I think he's the best striker in the world by far. Right now, I would be inclined to agree. And if we look at like his statistics, just from just from this year in 2019, he is a top scorer across the top five leagues in Europe with 35 goals. He has the most goals in Europe's top five uh, top five leagues this season with 18 in just 12 games. And in all of those 12 games, he managed to find the back of the net. That's insane. And he's bailed this team out a lot. But the real question is, like, how much longer is this going to continue? And when he doesn't score, what's going to happen to Bayern? They need to have some secondary scoring. Obviously, I mean, they're expect- finding it. They're, fi- they're finding they it there. They need to get some coordination from but the- I think. Th- they need to get some support from they the need, back. From the back, exactly. They got to keep the other team off the score sheets. I mean, they are doing the the basic idea of the game right. You know, like, oh, the team scores, we got to score one more. They're doing that. But it would be better if they weren't letting in any goals. Exactly, exactly. So, and losing Nicolas Sula. That's their Sula, story. Losing Nicolas Sula is just a huge loss because he's by far the best defender that they have. So it was a great win for Bayern today. Not so convincing, but surely they're going to advance top of the group. No problem. Well, one team who certainly did put up a convincing win was Tottenham. And as I had mentioned before, they put a big commanding win over Red Star Belgrade, 5 nothing. Tottenham has had a rough stretch as of lately. Um, yeah. What does this win mean for Tottenham? Our Red Star Belgrade, like high caliber material or a high caliber team, I should say. No, but it's not necessarily the easiest place to, you know, you know, the easiest team to play against. They can upset you. We've seen it before. Mm-hmm. But if it was any team, and I think that I even mentioned this on the previous episode, if it was any team that really needed a win out of all the teams in the Champions League, it was Tottenham. They really needed this win. Uh, and like you said, Dylan, they did it in spectacular fashion. Um what more can you really say about it? They just they controlled pretty much every aspect of the game. Um, something just clicked for them this time. I think all I can really say is I don't know how long that they're going to keep up this form going into the Premier League as well as the Champions League. Well, they got a big game coming up this weekend against Liverpool, so the test is there for sure. We're going to see how they're how they're going to play. Tottenham looked great this week. 
They looked like their old self. The movement was great. The communication was great. They went back to their 4-2-3-1 formation, the one that they they used during the Champions League run throughout the year. And this year, Pochettino, with new players that, that he acquired over the season and how their form hasn't been quite there, like it obviously hasn't been quite there. He's been mixing the formations around. So it was nice to see it go back to their classic 4-2-3-1, and it worked out great. And... One person that stuck out, and for me personally, that was the MVP, uh, Eric Lamella, was by far the MVP for for me because he was playing that Christian Eriksen role, the same position, and it looked like as if Eriksen just, you know, it looked like he was there, but it wasn't him. Yep, they didn't even need him in there. They didn't even need him in there, and he was fantastic. He put a goal away and assisted on two. I don't know. This is the Tottenham that we all know. Are you trying to say? Look, I just rewind one second. Are you trying to say that Erickson is their uh, their weak point right now? <laughs> just um, because? It, just because? I think that we even said it the last episode. We're like, yeah, what the hell is this guy doing? Yeah, it's just um, the lack of uh, motivation. There's no uh, motivation there from him. He clearly doesn't want to be there. Every time he steps on the pitch, it's, he's just not his normal self. We saw little, we flashes. saw glimpses and flashes of him being like this last year, but he did perform later on as they kept continuing and progressing in the Champions League, in the Champions League tournament. He started playing well, but now, as he mentioned earlier in the off season, that he really wanted to get out. He looks just so unmotivated, and he's just not producing. He doesn't want to be there, and it's obvious. Right. And what's really ma- what's really difficult for Tottenham is who they're going to, how they're going to deal with this, and if there's anyone out there that wants him, how much pay. are they willing to pay for him? Yeah. So that's a huge question, but this was very promising. I think this was a great Pochettino masterclass here. Um, Red Star Belgrade, as you mentioned before, they're not a great team, but this is th- they're a tough team. Yeah. And they have uh, Liverpool coming up this weekend. This is a huge test. And when they go to be- um, to Belgrade, that's going to be even a bigger that'll test be, yeah, going up be against that one. crowd. Yeah. So great performance for Tottenham, and I'm happy to see it because it was very, very disappointing to see how they were playing this year <laughs> so far. So far. All right. So next game on my list was Napoli and RB Salzburg. Napoli ended up winning 3-2. to two. Not a huge game. Not a huge game, but definitely an exciting Didn't, one, Dylan. Exciting one, and it did put... Um, well, I believe Nap- Napoli was already at the top of the group, but now yeah. they've it, got... Yeah, they. so I don't mean to interrupt you, Dylan. Yep. Yeah, they, uh, they definitely have control of the group now. Um, and they, they looked good. Napoli looked really, really good on the attack. There were a couple of hiccups at the back, to most notably Malquite giving up that... Uh, that penalty, but this game was open for the entire. It was just two attacks really going at it. Napoli knew that Red Bull was going to come at them, and uh, you know it's a, it's a story of two attacks really. Yeah, they they prevailed. Um, Malqui really costed Napoli uh, the lead, but he ended up making it up. Uh, I, I believe he was the one that crossed the ball into Mertens for the second goal. You're correct. So it was you know it was a great response. Uh, how about how about Salzburg, man? I do. They're young stud. I can't Hollanda? even. Yeah, Erling Braut Holland scored his nineteenth and twentieth goal this season in thirteen appearances against Napoli. My question 
for for him or for for you, Rui, is is he the real deal now? I mean, he's 19 years old. I don't know. Is it a one? Is he a one hit wonder? Like it's so hard to really to really. I don't know, put your money on these young kids that just blow up and then eventually they turn into, you know, a bus. We've seen it over the years. But he looks really great. The second goal that he scored, I I don't know if it was the second one. Yeah, Yeah, I believe it was the second second one one where it wasn't the penalty. Yep, correct. Whatever goal it was where he didn't score the penalty was just great, great poaching skills. He used his strength to get away from the defender. Uh, pushes the ball out to the outside using his body to shield the defender and puts the ball away. Merritt had absolutely no chance. No chance. And he had a great game great. too, by the way. Merritt had an amazing game. This kid is so, so good. He kept Napoli in the game. You know, he's he makes big save after big save. He did it against Liverpool. He's doing it against big teams and the grandest stages. I don't know how old he is. 22, 21? 22, yeah. And he's making big time saves in 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 the biggest of all stages. He's I think, incredible. Well, I, I think I can hear Phil yelling from Philadelphia that he should get a starting spot fairly. That's a. I think that I can hear that. Yeah, come on, man! Don't don't <laughs> say that around me. Because then I guess we're gonna have to do a, an entire episode on Donnarumma yeah, versus Donor, Merritt. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but um, how about how about Mertens? Yeah. Passing Maradona, second all-time for Napoli yep. in uh, all-time scoring list. You know, it's a very, very memorable game here. Milestone match. Yeah, and you wouldn't even guess it just because of the, the other teams that were also playing. But the, I knew that this was going to be an exciting game. Yeah, so. the, it was. Salzburg is just no pushover team. They have a great attack. They're really, they're actually very well managed. Mm-hmm. And all those young players are just... Are just like having their like little IX sort of like they're having that chemistry. Right not now. like they're they're not as great as IX, but they're it's that fluidity, it's that that yeah, chemistry. You can see it. You know, it's like chemistry defeats talent or something. It's just it, as long as they can all work together and get things right, they just they just make things happen. Yeah, they're and fun to watch. Quick shout out before we move on to the next game to Insigne Lorenzo Insigne coming off the bench. Scoring an amazing goal and the celebration to go to Carlo Ancelotti. Yeah, there was, I, I don't know what the there was some controversy going on. Like I think Ancelotti might have even said that oh Insigne is not training hard enough, so he's going to be on the bench. But I think it was also for other reasons as well. Uh, then he get he gets put in, uh, and it's kind of funny. This is right after. Salzburg scores Insigne to equalize. Just, yep, Insigne just buries it. Yep, beautiful goal. But it was that was a nice moment too. So if you if you watch highlights of this game, I encourage everyone to watch highlights yep. of this game. A great awesome. first touch from Insigne, and then the rip to to put the put the game away. So moving on from one City A team to the next, uh, we have Inter Milan versus Borussia Dortmund. And as I had mentioned earlier, Inter was able to edge Dortmund now two nothing. How did you feel about Inter's win, and how do you think Dortmund will respond in the, their next home game, Dortmund's home game? I think uh, this is a very this was a statement game for Inter. They played Conte like football in this match. They were flawless on defense. Borussia Dortmund. I don't I don't even know the statistics. I think they had like sixty percent ball possession, and they did absolutely right. nothing with it. There was no fluidity. There was no there was communication, but there was just no 
there was just no creativity. They weren't able to create any opportunities, very few scoring chances. That brick wall of Skriniar, De Vrij, and Goudin is just incredible. And with and with De Vrij being able to be that ball that ball playing center back, the distributor, he assisted on Lotaro's first goal. This defense is just incredible, and they're just making teams they're making teams suffer really. Yeah, I, I, you took the words out of my mouth. Really, really, they played Conte ball to a T, uh, which just really good defense. Uh, and you're right. I don't know what what it is. I, I think Dortmund had a lot of players out, right? If I'm not mistaken, they're missing Paco Alcacer, um, Marco Royce, and Marcel uh, uh, Schmelzer. So exactly. So maybe that was the reason why they couldn't really they couldn't finish in the final third. Yeah, they didn't really a, have they, they didn't really have no their, threatening their, nothing their threat. Threatening. Yeah, they didn't have their major threatening players on. Obviously, obviously Marco Royce and. The goal killer, Paco Alcacer, that's, those are two crucial guys. And when you're replacing those two guys with Thorgan Hazard and Julian Brandt, you're going to be in trouble. And you're playing a 3-4-3, which is a formation that Borussia Dortmund never, ever, ever uses. Yeah. It's very, very rare to see them use that formation. I think Lucien Favre, the goalie for, I mean, the, the manager for Borussia Dortmund took a huge L today. I think that was the wrong formation. I think he was scared. He didn't want to use the normal the normal formation, the normal strategy, the normal tactics that they usually use. I don't know if it's because they were going up against another team that was going uh, with three in the back. Could have been. I don't know. But this was very, very strange, and I think it costed them big time. I think coaching is what costed them this game, and coaching is what won the game for, for Inter, I for sure. I would agree. Yeah, Inter were just more organized overall. But to answer the second part of your question, Dylan, I think if all the players come back for both teams, you know, I know uh, Sensi's out for Inter. He's a huge, yeah, huge. huge piece. Um, but Marco Royce and Paco Alcacer are just so, so important for that Dortmund team, especially on the attack, which was, they were Bull, really minimized. They park. disappeared. They they couldn't do anything without them. I don't know. I think with Dortmund being at home, I think they can sneak away a win. That's if everyone is healthy. If they're not healthy, they're in big, big trouble because they need Royce. They need Alcacer if they want to break through that inter, inter back line. Yeah, moving right down the list here with Serie A teams. <laughs> um, next game on the list was Juventus versus Lokomotiv Moscow. Juventus squeaked by with a 2-1 to one victory over Locomotive. Yeah, making me sweat. Uh, Juventus is currently sitting at the top of the group. They are tied in points with Atletico Madrid, but they are ahead in goal differential. How good does Juventus look right now, Joe? And what do you think their chances are moving forward for the rest of this tournament? It's frustrating watching Juventus sometimes in the Champions League, especially just because I felt like in this game, they didn't hit another gear. They controlled the game for practically the entire thing, and it was just that one little lapse in concentration that cost them, and they were behind for a significant portion of the game. Yeah, 78 minutes. Yeah, uh, and then it took Paulo Dybala, to, what, four minutes total to to bring it back. So do I like how they're playing now? Yeah, I like the way that they're playing and they control the games, but they really got to work on that defensive coordination and how do I feel about them going forward? I think that if 
if everything's firing on all cylinders, we're obviously one of the favorites for the tournament. So I, I don't see any reason why we can't make it very deep in this Champions League. Yeah, I think I think Juve looked pretty piss poor in the first half. Yeah. I think they started they were definitely in the driver's seat in the second half. They were just knocking on that door. They still weren't their normal selves, but they were there. And it was just only a matter of a time. I don't know, from a neutral well, you know I know from, I, not exactly neutral, but I know what you mean. From a neutral perspective you can just sense that it was just a matter of time that it was going to happen. And the funny thing is, I was actually texting Tariq from AC Milan Club yeah. Boston, and he was telling me, he was like, I need Juventus to win. And this was like in the 77th minute, right? <laughs> Not even kidding you. He's like, I need them to win. I was just like, dude, I think it's going to happen. And literally, because he put um, money on the game, and then, later. boom, Dybala scores. And then he's like, oh, keep me posted about like the results and whatever, because I'm on the road. And then four minutes later, Dybala once again. And this is the thing about Juventus is they can play piss poor, but they find a way to just grind it out. And Locomotive Moscow is just not an easy team. They're not a pushover team. It's just once once they get a lead, once you let them score, it becomes deflating and they are a tough team. And they're just going to give everything that they have. They're going to they're gonna play defensive and they're yeah, going to make you work did. for it. And that's what they did. And at the end... They were running out of gas. They were exhausted, and Juventus just came out on top, and they took advantage of it. Me, personally, I think Juventus can go really far this year if they can play their game, and they don't have a Real Madrid, a stacked Real Madrid team in their way, and they don't have a stacked Barcelona team in their way. So if they make it to the finals, or as as the tournament goes on, their chances are actually a lot higher than all the other times that they made it to the final and end up not prevailing no yeah. offense no no i i couldn't agree more because i don't think there's any other team in europe that is as terrifying as real madrid and barcelona were in 2015 and 2017 yeah all right well speaking of real madrid the next game on my list and we've only got a couple more to get through real madrid versus galatasaray and real madrid was only able to score one goal in this game and they were only able to surpass galatasaray one nothing what the hell is wrong with Real Madrid? They are currently sitting in second place behind PSG, but they only have four points with a negative two goal differential. Well, this year there's there's a lot of things going on, but I think this week's performance against Galatasaray, the result doesn't really justify the way Real Madrid played. I think Real Madrid played the best football that they have this year because it's been absolutely... Might not be saying much, but... It, it, it's been terrifying. It's been terrible at times. The amount of money that they poured into just Jovic and Hazard, yeah. and they went on so long without even scoring a goal or providing assists, it was just like, what is wrong with this team? And Zidane, who took them to three straight Champions Leagues and won, couldn't figure it out. But to, this week was the week where they looked very good. They looked like they re-identified themselves, kind of like what Tottenham did. Galatasaray is a very tough team to play against. Yeah, especially in especially Turkey. home. Yeah, <laughs> and that crowd can just really deflate you. But Real Madrid were really, really in the driver's seat for the first half. Was like iffy. Courtois looked really, really good. He bailed Real Madrid out quite a few times in the first half, but they readjusted in the second, and it was just all Real Madrid. They were creating chances left and right. Benzema, I don't know what the hell was going on with him. He should have put away yeah, two, maybe three yeah, goals in this he game. He could have had a hat trick. So those were just like. 
he was it was very uncharacteristic of him where I believe in any other day he would have buried at least one maybe even two of those opportunities that he missed so if I was a Real Madrid if I were a Real Madrid fan I'd really I would really be happy with this result I think it's a positive result the result itself just 1-0 doesn't justify the way that they played yeah so this is promising and let's see if it carries on into the league and into the tournament because Real Madrid really need to find themselves. Yeah, I, Zidane needs to figure this shit out. He really does. And maybe he maybe he's struck something when they played Galatasaray. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that they'll end up coming out of the group. They'll end up in second place behind PSG. But if they play like they did against Galatasaray, things are going to look good for them. But mm-hmm. if they played like they did earlier in the season... Yeah, I don't think yeah. that they make it. It'll like, be rough. Past. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So one more game. Last but not, last but not least, Benfica versus Lyon. The Derby du jour. Yep. And Benfica was able to squeak out a win late in the game. Two to one, keeping them alive in this year's group stage. <laughs> I, I can see the sweat pooling on your on your head Dylan like you you're like you're just so passionate about Benfica I know this. no they, they needed this win I, I mean they if they had lost like I said if they had lost don't that, that was it I still don't like their chances moving forward because they're sitting in last place with only three points but they needed the win they got it hey, they're <laughs> only one point from second place now Right. No, no, no. That's all it took was Anthony Lopes to just throw the ball to Peasy, and Peasy just puts the ball, the the game away with that, with an open net or what a mistake. As a goalkeeper, Rui, how, what, what does that look like to you? What, can you give me some emotions as to what Lopes must be feeling right now? It sucks. It's deflating. It happens to the absolute best of us, it happens to every goalkeeper. And, that's just a moment where you don't ever want it to happen in a Champions League game, in a game that's just so, so... It was tight. ...important. Yeah. Especially in the group that they're in. They're all pretty much balanced. We mentioned this on the last podcast. This is like a little... This is a second-tier Teams of Europe's group of death. Yep. And I'd give RB Leipzig just a little bit of an edge above them, of the, above them all, but not. it's not, not that much. big of a difference. Yeah. So... It, it was devastating for Lyon. It was great for Benfica. The second half, Lyon looked, turned it up a lot, after a lot. They, especially after they scored. Uh, after Memphis Defy scored, they looked really good, and it looked like they were going to come away with the win. They were just knocking on the door, and then Anthony Lopes with Anthony his howler, Lopes. and PZ puts in the winner, and it deflated the team, and that was it, really. Uh, sorry, George. Yeah, sorry, George. Now you made Dylan... All happy now. For the record, I called it too. Yeah, two, two to one. one. He did call it two to one, but I don't think right you were calling a howler, were, were you? He'll take no, it. No, I don't. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> care. I got the score right. That's all that matters. But Jill, so yes. this past week, oh boy, Copa Libertadores. Yep. So we're done with the Champions League. We'll touch up on the Copa Libertadores. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do that, and then we'll head out. Yeah. This was an awesome week of football, man. It really was for me, especially. Guys, this was Dylan. This was awesome. I love watching South American football. <laughs> it's we were awesome. watching Boca and, and and River Plate the second leg. There was some garbage quality at times, but it's just so freaking exciting. It's fun. It's yeah, it's fun. It, it's schoolyard. They just don't give a shit, and 
they you know what they, it's awesome i love the physicality part of it and that ref wasn't taking any shit either i thought he the did a pretty good job i thought the game was very very well officiated yeah he saw people rolling on the ground he's like no 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 he let play on he let the physicality go he didn't toss too many yellow cards out or anything he let them play but he also maintained control so kudos to him i thought he was great but what a match yeah. Boca Juniors looked really, really good. Yeah, where was this the first leg? It's like they both flipped sides. The first leg at the um, at the El Monumental, River Plate were home. They looked fantastic. They just dominated. They were creating opportunities, possession, everything. Boca looked looked lost. Yeah, they they came away nothing. with a 2 nothing win out of it. It was the same story for Boca. They won 1-0. They dominated the game, but it just wasn't enough. Yeah. It just was not enough. So, they had a lot of looks at goal, um, and I think that this was part of River Plate's plan. I think that they were just they were going to sit back and play on the counter, and it almost worked a couple of times. Yep. They had open netters that I don't know how they didn't finish. Yep, but yeah, it was pretty much ninety nine percent Boca, and you're right. It just at the final whistle, it was. One nothing, just not enough. Yeah, they definitely they definitely went into the game with a defensive approach. They walked into the belly of the beast and they came out they, on top. They came out they, on they top. They lost the battle, but they won. They the won war. the war. Yep, they won the war. And then, because we couldn't get enough South American football, we watched uh, Flamengo versus Gremio. Yep, we we thought Tottenham had a commanding lead. This was just. This was uh, a this statement was a win. Slaughter. Absolute uh I don't even know, man. I this is this is gonna be scary for River Plate when they're playing. I Flamengo. think so too. I think Flamengo is just miles, miles ahead of River Plate. This team you can tell from just from the way that they were playing, they can control the ball much better than River Plate River Plate over, over Boca Juniors. They create opportunities. They have a real fluid style of play. They're really well coached. Georges uh, Zizouge, former Benfica manager, you know, and adding Rafinha and Philippe Luiz. Two vets. Two very, like, two very experienced players in Europe. They brought in Gabriel Barbosa on loan from Inter. This team is just really, really good. They're three, I, I want to say they have a three-headed snake, but they have like a four-headed snake up top. They have four good attackers that can just score Whenever, whenever they create opportunities easily, they destroyed Gremio in the what first was it? six, six, five, one, six, one on aggregate, five nothing in the second, um, in the second leg. The first match was just was just Flamengo. You know they weren't they weren't there. They, weren't that, there. they just were not playing their game. They were away from home. They went into the L, uh, to the Maracana Stadium, and what an atmosphere it was! And they blew up the stadium. Yeah, the way they, they played, they tore down the house. The Seriously. fans were loud as hell. They were so passionate, and every single goal that they scored, it just got louder and louder and louder. So, kudos to them. You know, the Ribeiro, um, Arascaeta, uh, Enrique, Gabriel Barbosa. Those four players up top are just really, really, really good. And they're going to make it difficult for for River Plate. Yeah. Do we want to do we want to give predictions? Yeah. I'm I'm going to pull for River. I'm going to say River wins three two. I'm going to go three to one. 
Flamingo. Flam- I knew you were gonna. I knew you were gonna do that. Ah, all right, fine. Dylan, what do you think, man? Uh, I'm kind of pulling for River myself, so I'm gonna go. Hmm. I'll go one nothing River. Ooh, okay, low scoreline. I like it. Yeah. Catenaccio. <laughs> That's what they need. What if it's like the most boring final ever? I hope not. Oh, kind of like last year's Champions League? Yeah. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's going to be a lot more exciting. Do you, uh, This is in Chile, though, right? Yes, it's in uh, Santiago, Chile, the final. This is the first ever Copa Libertadores single leg final. Last year, between Boca and River, they had two legs, and that was it. Now it's just one match. Single elimination. That's it. And it's on the 23rd. I don't know what time. Um, that's a, that's the 23rd of November, I should say. Yeah. But it's probably going to be late in the afternoon, I, yeah. would, I would think. Late at night, probably around 8.30 yeah. or so. I get, we'll find out. So. All right, fellas. Any last words before we wrap things up? 8.30 Eastern time. Eight United th- States yeah, time. Yeah, 8.30 Eastern time. <laughs> so New um, York time. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Um, give us a like. Give us a follow on our Twitter, on our Facebook, on Instagram. Five star review. D- fi- yep, five star review on uh, on iTunes. We really appreciate all the feedback, guys. My Joe, tell them. Well, well said. Help us. <laughs> <laughs>